your Bibles today, please open them with me to the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, continuing today and next week as well in a short series entitled The Spirit-Filled Life. The Spirit-Filled Life. You'll remember after our celebration on Easter Sunday, the resurrection of Christ. In these immediately following weeks, we're looking at some of the things that transpired in the church, in the early life of the disciples, right after the resurrection. What came next? We saw Jesus restoring relationships with his disciples. We also saw Jesus talking about the coming of the promised Holy Spirit. And that's what I want to look at here today and fuller examination of the Holy Spirit, his work and ministry in the life of the church. Last week, we saw something of an introduction. We looked at the fact that the Holy Spirit was the promised spirit from God. We saw that he was a person of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, of course, is a person of the Godhead, of the Trinity, a distinct member and a distinct ministry. And we talked a little bit of his purpose. Jesus described him as the helper, the one that would guide and lead into all truth, the one that would glorify Christ when he came. In other words, the Holy Spirit has come into our lives to produce the life of Christ within us, to transform, change us into the image of our Savior. And that's what I want to focus in on a little bit here today. I want to look at this transformation power of the Holy Spirit. You remember what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. He said, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When we come to faith and are born again, as Jesus described it, of the Spirit, when we come to that relationship with God through Christ, something radically new takes place in our life. Old things pass and new things are born. We're a new creation. And we are a creation, not of the flesh, like Nicodemus said, you mean to be born again? Do I need to go back into my mother's womb? Jesus said, no. This is not a physical rebirth. This is a spiritual birth. You are born of the spirit. When Paul says old things have passed away, all things have become new. He's talking about a new spiritual reality that has taken place in our life, in our heart. And part of that reality is God actually transforming us from within, changing our very nature giving us power to live a life that we do not have the ability to live upon our, in our own strength. Romans chapter 8 describes this in some detail. Now, really, the whole New Testament talks about this new life in the Spirit. But we'll focus on just a few things here to de- together. I want to look at verses 1 through 17, three new spiritual realities that I want to bring to your attention. The first one, verses 1 through 4, I want to talk about the new standing that we have with God because of this born-again spiritual experience. You have a brand new standing before God. Look with me now again in verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus 
has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Paul announces a new standing before God. It's a standing that has no condemnation, no guilt before him, no shame of the past, completely innocent before God. How can this be? He explains a little of the detail as to what transpired when the Spirit of God came into our life. First, he says there is no condemnation in this new life in the Spirit. You have a new legal standing, a new law. The law of Spirit of life in Christ has set me free from the old law, the law of sin and death. The Old Testament law, the law of God, the Ten Commandments, all that's included in the law revealed certain truth about mankind, about each and every one of us, that we were, that we fall short of God's holy, righteous, perfect standard. No matter how hard we try, no matter how well we live, no matter how well we do against, you know, compared one to another, before God, we stand condemned. We Bible says that all have fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous. No, not one. All have sinned and gone their own way. And Paul is saying now something radically new. In Christ, a new law has trumped, has kind of uh, taken over the old standing and law. You are now in a place where you are not guilty. You were guilty but now you're not. You were under condemnation. Now there's no condemnation. And he explains how this happened. This happened because God punished sin. In, he took sin from us, put it on Christ, and Christ paid the penalty for our sin. And then the righteous standing of Christ was credited to us. You'll remember this verse, 2 Corinthians 5.21 for he made him who knew no sin, Jesus, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is such an important principle for us to know and understand if we're going to live what we're describing as a spirit-filled life. If you're still carrying condemnation from the sins of the old life, and many Christians, unfortunately, wrestle with this. I did for years. The sins of the past were so dark, so terrible, that even though I came to Christ, and in my mind I knew that I was forgiven, but in my heart I still felt condemned. And those memories of, of the past, or you know, things, would happen, things happen in your life, and it brings back the dark past, and you, you feel ashamed. And you feel condemned before God. 
You know up here in your mind that you're not, but in your heart you feel as though you are. And let me say, the enemy will use that to whisper those things in your ear, anything to get you off your game in the new spirit-filled life. And if he can get you feeling guilty, if you can be condemned, if you can feel ashamed, if you can feel unworthy, then you tend to withdraw from God. You, re- you, you retract from that bold, confident, spirit-filled life because you feel in your heart that you're not worthy of it. And of course, the truth is none of us are worthy of it. That's why it's called grace. That's why it's called the gift of God. No one earned it. No one merits it. It doesn't matter the past. One may be darker than another, but all pasts are dark. All have sinned. But God has put this blanket of grace upon those in Christ there is no condemnation. Believe me, it will, it will hinder your ability to live what we're describing as a spirit-filled life, that life of confidence, that life of warm, close relationship with God. If always in the back of your mind, you're feeling the shame, the guilt, the weight of the past. It will hinder your freedom and walking in the spirit. But let me say something about not just the condemnation of the past. Let's be honest. Some of the condemnation that we wrestle with is the condemnation of the present. Because we still live in something less than perfection. Isn't that true? If it's not true, you have other problems that we need to talk about. (laughs) You don't know that that's true. We all have shortcomings still. We are not yet completely redeemed from these fallen, corrupt bodies. These bodies still have appetites and sinful, selfish desires. And so we still, even though we're trying to live pleasing to the Lord, we misstep, we we stumble, and then, oh, here comes the condemnation again. But you need to understand that what God has done for us at the cross through Christ and his resurrection is not just sufficient for the past. It is sufficient for the present and it is sufficient for all eternity's future. God has dealt a death blow to sin. Now, I'm not condoning sin. We're not saying, oh, phew, good deal. We can just live without any consequence or thought of sin. No, We're going to look at some some more verses here and see that's not what God has in mind. But the truth is, even in our Christian journey, as we are developing and growing, we stumble. We don't want to. We're not trying to, but we do. And in in that moment, the heart needs to be quick to repent. That's why 1 John said, if we sin, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. There is grace to sustain this relationship, this place of no condemnation as we are walking in renewed relationship with him day by day. Jesus taught us to pray, right? Forgive us our trespasses. That's an everyday kind of prayer. There are things that we need to stay open and honest with God on and no hiding or going weeks and then feeling like, well, I got to put down a couple of few good days so that I can feel better about coming to God. All of that is a mind game that will rip you off from the life of the spirit. 
We're not excusing sin, but we're saying when you do sin, get it right and get back on track with the Lord. Be quick to repent and God's grace is sufficient. There is no condemnation. It is a new standing of relationship that we have with him. The second thing that I want to point out out of this chapter is that God has given us in the spirit a new mind, a new mind. Look with me, verses five through nine. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, that's you and me, the life in the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded or fleshly minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. Paul says that this new life in the spirit includes a new mind. And what he means by mind is not, it's not a biological comment. It's a spirit of the mind. It's a new way of thinking. It's new, a new heart, new desires, new priorities, when God moves into your life, things change from within. The appetites of the flesh are still there, but that's not what you want to be living in anymore. And in fact, when you do stumble, it almost ruins you for sinning because when you do stumble and when you do get entangled, it grieves you. And you didn't used to be that way. It used to be, wow, I like that. I want more of that. When can I do that again? But then, then the spirit of God moved in and you realize that's empty. That's actually destroying my life. And all of a sudden, new, new desires, spiritual desires. You want to see God's will accomplished in your life. You weren't like that before. Paul is seeing the con showing you the contrast. Something has happened. The, the old man, the, the mind of the flesh, that selfish um, unwilling to submit to God's authority, unable, unwilling, unwanting to please God. All of that is the old, selfish, carnal mind. We now have a mind that desires the Lord, a desire to see God's will and purpose. If you were with us on Sunday morning out in the park, you know that many came to faith in Christ. Many came forward at the opportunity to receive Christ. And I don't know about you, but I, I think I do know something about you. If you were like me, that was like a moment that my heart really rejoiced in to see these lives coming forward. I knew in that moment that some of these people were making decisions that were going to affect eternity. Something really mattered. You could have been there as a non-believer, non-spiritually minded person and thought, what are they doing? What are they going up there for? Oh, man, what are they going to do to him? What's he going to do when they get there? What are they getting themselves into? Right? All these anxiety people, 
that are not spiritually minded, but those that are in the faith, those that have been renewed by the spirit, when we see God's will being affected in others, our heart leaps, we rejoice. Where does that come from? It comes from God, the Holy Spirit working in you, renewing your mind. Your mind is now being directed by the spirit. That's why Paul would say later in this same book, Romans 12 too, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let God's spirit renew your mind. Give place to that. Cooperate with that. I like the way the New Living Translation gives us this Romans 12, 2 verse. Let me read it to you out of the NLT. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The Holy Spirit's transforming power in our lives is to give us a new mind, a new perspective, new desire, new, new priorities. He aligns our will with his. And that is different than the way, the way we used to be. Old things have passed away. What was important to you before the Holy Spirit moved in is not as important. And the things that you never thought about, things that you, they made no difference to you, now are of vital importance. This is the Spirit of God working in your life, and the Bible encourages that. Give place to that. Allow God to reset your priorities. Allow the Holy Spirit to reprogram your mind and thinking. Sinning becomes miserable for the believer and living in the spirit becomes life and peace. And Paul's very clear here. He said, listen, if that's not describing your, what's going on in your mind, then you don't have the spirit of God working in your life. And he said, only the children of God have this going on. It's because it's from the spirit. It doesn't come from man. It doesn't come from your good intentions. It comes from the Lord. And Paul says, only the Lord can impart this and he only gives it to those that are his. This is a work of the Holy Spirit in the born again believer's life. Thirdly, last section here that I want to look at verses 10 through 17. I want to talk about new power, real power that God imparts by his Holy Spirit to help us live out the Christian life that we long to. Look with me, verse 10. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, 
Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Now there's a lot there in those verses. And we could, we could drill down for quite some time. But I, I'm just highlighting a few thoughts here from this passage. And clearly, Paul is saying to the believers in Rome and the Holy Spirit through him saying to us today, listen, when the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead came to live in you, that's a lot of power. The same spirit that brought Jesus out of the grave is now living in you to make you alive in the spirit. We need to connect with that. We, we're not, when we're living this kind of um, defeated, uh, very kind of seemingly powerless Christian struggle, oh, I just hope I can get to heaven. I just, oh. Paul would say, you're already going to heaven. You've got resurrection power living on the inside of you. You need to live with power till you get there. And let me tell you, it's available. It's available by God's spirit. New power brings new ability, but it also brings new obligation. Notice what he says in verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors. Meaning, listen, what God has dispensed into us has created not only the ability, the power, this grace to help us live for Jesus, but now we are dead. We're, we're really obligated to, to put to work this Holy Spirit's power that's living within us. Can you imagine having all that resource and never applying it, never living in the fullness of it? always just kind of living that defeated, discouraged Christian journey, hoping to make it to heaven. That's not the New Testament call. Now, thank God for heaven. And there are always seasons. All of us go through discouragement. I'm not talking about those valleys that you go through. I'm talking about kind of the, the overall countenance and description of your Christian life. What's it been like? Are you experiencing what the Bible seems to be telling us is available? We're debtors to this. Lord, if this is true, then I want to put that to work. Well, what are the deeds of the body? Two things that I want to emphasize. One of these things, the power seems to come to put to death the deeds of the body. Paul mentions that. But then also this power to be led by the Spirit. So there are some things that we need the Holy Spirit's help to put down and there are some things that we need the Holy Spirit's help to bring alive. And so kind of there's a negative side, things the Holy Spirit needs to end for us. And then there's a positive side, things the Holy Spirit needs to birth and bring to strength in us. What are the deeds of the body that we need the Holy Spirit to help put to death? Well, there's several places in the New Testament where we get a pretty good list. I'll go to the one from Galatians 5, Verse 19, Paul gives us a little description of these deeds of the body, the works of the flesh. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, 
hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. So he gives a nice list and then says, and the like, things like this, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. These are the deeds of the flesh that the spirit of God has come to help put to death. Paul is saying, if this, is your, if this, if this list describes your practice, now again, we're not talking about the occasional stumble. We're talking about a practice, a habitual lifestyle and determined path. If that's your practice, then where's the spirit in your life? Where's the work of God so, that should be so evident in your life? Christians need to be different. Christians have God's power within them, and it should produce a, a certain fruit in our life. And these things need to go. Now, as I mentioned, he says those who practice such things, indicating that this is a life that's not at all connected to the Spirit. We all have to admit that on occasions, some of these things are on our list, right? Outbursts of wrath. Any guilty parties in here? Well, if you drive on our freeways, you're probably going to have one of these moments, right? Selfish ambitions, Oh, not me, pastor. Let's just talk to your spouse. We'll decide. We'll, they'll tell us if there's any selfish ambition in you. Dissensions, envy. Now, some of, the, some of this list is quite extreme, but some of this list gets just right down where we live, doesn't it? But here's the thing Paul is saying. Look, it, it, it's not that believers never wrestle with these things, but believers don't practice these things. This is not where they live their pattern of, li of life because God has done something. He's given you an ability to put these things away. That's why Paul said back in Romans, by the spirit, you put to death the deeds of the flesh. I want to challenge you here today. Don't settle for a practiced lifestyle of sinful compromise. Because God has given you power to put that to death. It doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean it's instant. But don't you surrender. Don't you say, well, I can't help it. It's just the way I am. That's not the way you are. That's the way you were. Behold, old things have passed away. All things have become new. You may be wrestling. You may be fighting a battle. You may be struggling. It may be an addiction. It may be a stronghold. It may be something that's haunted you for a long time. But don't you surrender to it. You keep fighting and resisting and by the Spirit putting it to death. Day by day, moment by moment, however you have to fight, God has given you victory in Christ. God has given you the power to live this new life. And it's by his spirit. It won't come by willpower. It won't come by promises. It comes by the spirit of God. But it's more that God has given to us than just the power to put down some things. God has also given us 
a new life to live in certain things that we can't do on our own. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful that the Christian life is more than just a list of don'ts and stops? It is some of that, but it's also a list of do's and enjoys and blessing. And that talks about the the positive things that the Holy Spirit has come to create. The best probably example of that, I I read you uh, Paul's list out of Galatians on the deeds of the flesh. He also has a list entitled the fruit of the spirit. Listen to this, Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now that's a good list, isn't it? Oh, God, help us. Lord, put, get more of these things going in my life, please. Because you know what? I can't do it in my own strength. You know, I can aspire to this, and maybe in some measure we can, we can kind of attain to these virtues. But honestly, truly, we will never experience them at the level God has invited us to without his spirit. I need the spirit of God to produce this in me. This spirit is these are the fruit of the spirit is love. And really, if we think of love as being the most highest virtue, then all of these other attributes kind of fall in as a result of love, don't they? Love brings joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, love. I need the love of God to transform me into becoming a man of love. Because I don't have this ability in myself. Just to be honest, I'm not naturally patient, kind. Oh, on a good day, in a good moment, if you're nice to me, I can respond. But it doesn't just flow out of me. But it comes from the Lord. So the Lord is imparted. And this is, this is what we're talking about, life in the spirit. I want to be more like Jesus. And I know that I can't do it, but by his spirit, his Holy Spirit. I like what Pastor Chuck said often about this passage. Paul describes these attributes of the spirit as fruit. Fruit is something that you grow in a garden. Pastor Chuck used to say, fruit is grown in a garden, not made in a factory. It's something that happens naturally through an abiding, healthy relationship. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Abide in me and you will bear fruit. This flows from relationship. It's not made in the factory. It's not something you manufacture, work at really hard, make promises. Oh, I'm going to be loving today. I promise I'm going to love today. And as soon as you're out the door, it's all gone. You can't make it in the factory. It has to be grown in the garden the garden of fellowship with him, his love, his spirit, working and producing the true evidence of his grace upon our lives. I want to close with just a couple of practical application thoughts. And I want, to, I want you to be willing to ask your own self this, you know, am I experiencing this spirit-filled life? Am I walking in this, this new standing with God? Am I enjoying that fellowship where I say, Abba, Father, no condemnation? Am I walking in that place? 
Or am I struggling with guilt and shame and, and, and resentment and, and hurt? Am I walking in the new mind? Is my mind set on spiritual things or am I still distracted and chasing after things that are of the old man? And am I walking in the new power? Am I experiencing victory? Not perfection, but victory and change and growth and maturing. Am I seeing love, that fruit, growing and developing in my life? Are you seeing the things that the Bible describes as the spirit-filled life? And if you're not, or maybe you are in some measure, but not in full measure, I guess a couple of things I would have to suggest out of this passage that we just read. One would be simply that you need to be born again. Paul said, if you don't have the spirit of God producing and working and leading, you're not a child of God. I'm speaking to you if you're here today and you do not know the Lord in this kind of personal Abba Father relationship. Oh, you know about him. You kind of glean some of what's required through kind of, you know, your exposure to church and Christians, but you yourself have never really come to that place of new standing in Christ, forgiveness, new relationship, the Holy Spirit moving into your life and beginning to affect this change. That could be what the problem is. You really need to surrender and receive Christ or it could be what I'm calling today as a sowing and reaping problem. It could be that you are a believer in Christ, but you are not sowing properly. And as a result, when you don't sow well, you don't reap well. It could be that what you're experiencing, which you think may be less than what God has intended, is really a matter of you recalibrating how you're living your life. It's not a problem with what God has supplied because God's given you the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. I mean, how much more do we need? God is asking us to be good stewards of what he's entrusted to us. Let me remind you of Galatians 6 verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart." Paul says, don't be deceived. Don't, don't kid yourself. Don't let anyone else kind of trick you into believing anything different. God will not be mocked. What a man sows, he will reap. If you are a believer and have the life of the spirit dwelling in you, Paul says, we're debtors to live for the spirit. Sow to the spirit. You have the opportunity to reap a beautiful harvest from the spirit but you must sow to the spirit. If you're still sowing seeds to the flesh, then you ought not be surprised that you're reaping the corruption that comes from the flesh. I mean, get it down to practical living. You know, what are you, what are you watching? What are you listening to? What are, what's your input? What are you sowing into your mind? What are you sowing into your thought? 
you're going to reap. And if you're sowing to the flesh, if you're feeding and nurturing and strengthening things of the flesh, they're going to rage. And they're going to look for a harvest in your life. Where are you keeping company? Who are you fellowshipping with? Who are you connecting? I mean, in real close friendship and fellowship. You know that affects. That's a, there's a sowing there. And you reap from those relationships. Where are you spending your time? What are your priorities look like? If you were to write down a detailed list of every five minutes of your life this next week, what would that list look like? How much of it would be sowing to the spirit and how much of it would be sowing to the flesh? Are we praying? Are we worshiping the Lord? Are we spending time in the word of God and asking the Holy Spirit to bring it to life? Are we connecting with the people of God? Are we finding places to serve and be available to the work that God has entrusted to us? How are we managing our time with the Lord? This gets down into some of the real day-to-day moments of our life. And And I don't share these things to put a guilt or condemnation. There is no condemnation. These are just practical things that we have to evaluate. Me too. If I'm not happy with the harvest, it may be that I need to rethink the sowing and recalibrate my life, represent my life to the Lord. Romans 6 and verse 12, Paul says, don't let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. He's talking to Christians. He says, Christian, don't let sin rule. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. Quit presenting yourself. You know, some of the trouble we get into is because we show up for trouble. Here I am presenting myself and guess what? I'm entangled. But present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. These are powerful promises and good practical steps in terms of what we can do to bring in a positive harvest for our lives spiritually. And I just want to close with that last verse I read out of Galatians in verse 9. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. As Paul talks about sowing and reaping, he reminds us, don't grow weary in doing good. See, some of us get discouraged. We sow to the Spirit for a week, and there's no harvest. I'm still struggling. It didn't work. It doesn't work for me. I prayed all week, every day. Can you believe it? I went to church twice. It, nothing changed. I, it, see, we, we get this anticipation, right? Going to plant corn today and, and make popcorn tomorrow. It's the way it works. It doesn't work that way. You're laughing, but you're guilty. <laughs> we all have this instant, you know, we want it now. Come on, God, I tried. What's, where's, where's the harvest? Let us not grow weary 
while doing good for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart you will reap God will bless you God will change you God will set you free from that habit God will renew your mind and change your heart God will give you new desires God will make you into a completely different person if you'll walk with him if you'll trust him, if you'll allow the Holy Spirit to have his way in you, he's there to help. <laughs> he's there to help. He's there to glorify Christ in your life. Isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we need? Isn't that what we need, all of us? Imagine all of us, Christ being glorified in our lives. Can you imagine what that would look like? God help us. Don't get discouraged. Don't lose heart. Keep sowing. Keep walking in those things that God has for you. And trust me, in time, he will bring his promise. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for this passage that encourages us in the life that is filled by the Spirit. Help us, Lord. Help us, God. Help us to, to learn from these things. Lord, examine our hearts today. Lord, I, I just want to be open and honest before you. I don't want to be hiding something or certain parts of my life or time are off limits. Lord, I want to really ask you to come and have your full way in my life because I need a harvest, Lord. I need a spiritual reality I need victory over sin. I need mercy and grace. I need the love of God to become more prominent in my character and life. Lord, help us. As our heads are bowed here today, and just before we close in a song of worship, I do want to give an opportunity if you're here today and you need to respond to the Lord. And what I mean by that is that God has spoken to you in a very personal and clear way. And you know in your heart that you need to respond to him. And you can do that privately. And ultimately, it does need to take place in your personal relationship with him. But you can also do that publicly. And in so doing, you help set your heart in motion. It's a step of faith. It's a willingness to be honest and say, God, that's me. I need you now. Come, forgive me, cleanse me. And maybe you're here today, and as I mentioned, you, you don't know the Lord. You need to be born again of the Spirit. And you want to receive Christ and you want that no condemnation relationship, that Abba Father closeness and that work of God in your life, giving you a new heart, a new mind and a power to live for him. I'd love to pray for you if that's your heart today. Maybe you're here today and you need to recommit your life to the Lord. Maybe it's a sowing and reaping problem for you and you, you're, you're reaping a terrible harvest. 
and you know it's not what God has promised as life in the Spirit. And you just need this moment to say, God, it's time. I'm going to stop planting and sowing the things that are reaping corruption. And I, by your grace and by your Spirit, I want to begin to plant and sow to the Spirit. And this is your crossroad. This is your moment to say to God today, I'm recommitting. I'm, re I'm just resetting my heart on you. I'd love to pray for you too. So if you're here today, you want to receive Christ or you need to recommit your heart to Christ. I'm asking you just to raise your hand where you're seated and I'll pray for you. Anybody here today? God bless you over there on the aisle. A couple hands in the back, several hands there in the middle as well. Over here on the aisle, up front, God bless you. On the aisle. Number of hands, is trying to wait, amen. See that one there. God bless you. We're just going to pray. But there's power in prayer. God's here to meet you. The Holy Spirit is here right now to meet you. A number have responded. Anyone else just before we pray? God bless you. So Lord, I thank you for these hearts responding to your word today. And Lord, I, I pray that you would meet them, that this Holy Spirit helper, spirit of truth, power to change and work something new and beautiful in our lives, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just rush to the hearts of those responding to you today. You're already speaking to them. You're already drawing them. You're already loving them. God, touch them with power and grace. And for those of you that responded, I would simply encourage you to make this a prayer for your heart today. Just a prayer of sincere, open honesty before God. Jesus, forgive me. I want to be free of the condemnation. I'm receiving my standing before you, not that I've earned but because of your love and your grace set me free from the shame and the guilt and the condemnation. But God, I want to live for you. Oh, send your Holy Spirit in full measure into my life. Change my heart. Renew my mind. Give me the strength to live the life you're calling me to. Oh God, I want to sow to the Spirit. Today is day one. I pray, Lord, that it will bring harvest of spiritual life into my life, to my family, my friends, my relationship, in every way. In Jesus' name, amen.